What is going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to chat with Rishi of the band Elephant Stone over to Zoom video. Rishi was born and raised in Montreal, Canada, and he talks about how he got into music. He started out on the piano, but like most kids, uh, gave it up or wasn't too excited about it. It wasn't until his brother got a guitar that he wanted to kind of follow in his older brother's footsteps. He got a bass. They started a band together. He talks about that a little bit. After high school, he joined another band, which was active for quite some time. They did a lot of touring across Canada. He eventually joined uh, the High Dials, played in that band for a while. And we talk about how he then formed Elephant Stone. He talks about writing that first Elephant Stone record, how he prior to that was always just the bass player in the band and now he was the songwriter. It's real quick uh, validation from the album. He talks about playing with Beck, the concept record they put out in 2020 called Hollow and all about this brand new EP, which is another concept album, but it's all in French. So he talks to us about that one as well. You can watch the interview on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be awesome if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Music, it would mean the world to us if you can follow us there and hook us up with a five-star review as well. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Elephant Stone. This podcast is about you, your journey in music, and we'll talk uh, all about uh, Elephant Stone, if that's cool. That works for me. Amazing, amazing. So uh, the band's in Canada, correct? Yeah, Montreal. Montreal. Born and raised in Montreal? Yeah, yeah. Okay, talk to me about that a little bit. Wow, Montreal. Uh, have you been up here before? I have not. That's what I'm curious. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's the Paris of uh, North America. Okay. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's very multicultural. It's, uh, it's French. It's majority is French here. So there's an Anglophone minority, which I am part of. Uh, my parents came here like in, in the late sixties, I think from India. Okay. And so, yeah, I mean, it's a, uh, it's interesting place. I mean, there's, there's always political, language cultural debates and it's always quebec always is always threatening to uh separate from canada having we always well it's been a while but uh the separatist movement's pretty big here we're a unique culture here mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it's in some ways I, I, we're probably going to get to this but uh we were putting out a french record and, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the the newest one, right? Coming out in a yeah. yeah. So it's it's just like uh, it's just a natural thing uh, being from Montreal because like the music scene is English and French. We mix all the time. Sure, sure. So so it's just been a yeah. It's it's yeah. I mean, yeah. Montreal's I mean, go ahead. Uh, Montreal is great. I love it. Mm -hmm. uh, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. Okay, <laughs> so. okay. Yeah, obviously a big music scene in Montreal. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a big college town. I think that was a big thing. And, uh, like everyone comes from out of province, out of country, I mean, Arcade Fire, those guys were from Texas, I think wins from Texas. So it's like everyone kind of meets, goes to like, there's like, I don't know how many universities we have here. We have so many for such a small town. And so, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I found that well, uh, speaking to Arcade Fire that when they got their like Canadian citizenship, it was like this huge deal, right? When because like, and then they were able to win a bunch of what they, they they at that point you can be nominated, I think, for Juno Awards. I I don't really know the process behind that, but well, the big thing about Canada is and Quebec especially is our grant system. We support uh, Quebec really supports the arts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I've, which I've is heard a huge, that. which is a huge thing here, and so. I mean, band like ours, which we've never assigned to a big label or anything. I've been doing this for a long time. Um, we're able to keep going through this, through the support of the arts in Quebec. Yeah, that's amazing. The only other country I've heard that does that in any capacity is New Zealand. They have a, a, a similar yeah. program where they support the arts like that. Yeah, I mean, for us, I mean, like we're right next to America, right? And so we're, right. we're, we're pretty small compared to uh, media behemoth that is America. So I think we're always a way to stay competitive. Anyways, I can go into Canadian well, music although, history. That, that being said, right <laughs> now, if you look at the charts, you guys are killing us. Yeah, I mean, you got, have Drake and Bieber we, in the weekend and like, weekend, you know, yeah. so <laughs> many artists. Nickelback. On the, top, <laughs> on the top there. Avril Lavigne, she's coming back. Uh, yeah. I mean, you guys have a she bunch. was married. She was married to Chad Kroger, I think. She was. Uh, yeah, and then a... she married the guy from Sum 41 for a minute, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Canadian maybe. rock royalty. Right. And then they, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They got divorced or something. <laughs> Who knows? It happens. It happens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. That's awesome. So I imagine you speak, obviously, both French and English. Yeah. I mean, uh, growing up here, you kind of have to. Uh, it's good. I mean, it's being bilingual is an amazing thing i mean like so my french could always be better that's why mm-hmm. uh to go back to this french record writing it i worked with my buddy uh felix diet he uh he helped me with the lyrics for it like translating I, them no uh he actually wrote it like because uh i like themes i like narratives throughout albums so i wrote the storyline for this new ep and i had the melody i had the song and everything but i didn't have the words oh, okay. so, like, so Felix actually wrote the lyrics, which made my job so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I, I know that obviously you, you probably have to know French to get, get by, right? I mean, it's oh, yeah. huge. And is it something that you learned growing, like as a child? Like, is it just something that's always kind of taught in sequence with English? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, there's laws that here, uh, Bill 101, where you have to... Uh, there's a lot of rules, laws, and stuff. If you came here after a certain, I think after 1978, you have to go to French school. And so I, my parents came here before that. So I went to English school and, uh, and I, my French isn't as good as it should be. Unfortunately, it's just like the English system here didn't really deliver. And that's why they've kind of restructured the education system again, where now if you're in the English system, you have to, be in French 50% of the time. Like my kids are in English school, but they do French half the day. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, I know. Cause it's, it's about preserving French culture and language. Cause you know, it's like, there's no other place like this in North America. And mm-hmm. I think they want to hold on to the roots and connections and heritage. So That's amazing though. To, to, I think that they, I mean, I grew up in San Diego. We, we were right next to the border of Mexico and that wasn't even pushed that hard. Right. You yeah. know, I would think that that would be something they would learn. You'd learn as you got older, like, okay, you're going to do Spanish half the day, English half the day. And 
I think it's such an important skill and thing. To yeah, have. no, it's, I think it's a great thing to have. They're a bit heavy handed with it, especially mm-hmm. recently. And they have, you know, I can, I can get into the politics. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I won't bother. Right. <laughs> yeah. We won't go there. Um, exactly. But I'm just, yeah. It, Cause uh, I've interviewed simple plan and they're from there as well. And what yeah. I thought was interesting is when they were doing their sound check, they talked to each other all in, and pretty much their whole sound check back and forth. Each other's all in French. Yeah, that's and how it then, is here. Yeah. yeah, and then you you know meet him in person. You hear any interview, or you hear him just talk to each other amongst anyone else. I you would in my like if I didn't know that they're from Montreal and that they spoke French, like they I would have never guessed in a million years that they could be like that was basically how they kind of communicate within each other anyway, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You, so you jump, cool. they, they they call it uh, franglais, like French English. You keep jumping back and forth. So that must get, get, I, yeah it's cool i mean your brain is constantly working and that's yeah exactly like, wow. it's, work, it's a workout yeah okay <laughs> well back to back to you and in, in in growing up in montreal like how did you get into music obviously it's a big college town big music scene there yeah um well i guess well my parents i mean i grew up um, my par- I'm, I'm of indian heritage so i grew mm-hmm. up my, my parents uh would watch like bollywood films all the time every weekend like six hour marathon movie <laughs> sessions and it's like musicals right and mm-hmm. growing up with them my mom was a singer so there's always like i was always exposed to that i had an older brother i have an older brother who exposed me to the beatles at when i was like six or seven years old and the who and stuff like that and yeah and yeah i guess i just connected with music you know so i never was really in tune to sports i was into comic books like, mm-hmm. like the typical nerdy teenage kid, I was comic books and music. And uh, the Montreal music scene in the 90s, when I started going to shows, we didn't, we were never on the touring routes for the big bands. Like they'd go to Toronto, Montreal would just be mm-hmm. like an afterthought. And so we wouldn't get that, you know, like, you know, like in the 90s, like I was, I would, I'd go see the Afghan wigs and pavement, smashing pumpkins. They'd come through Montreal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, okay, we, that's cool. Yeah, they, they started. It started coming through, so I would just sneak into shows. I was underage, and uh, yeah, I just started. Picked up the bass, played the. I went to India in '98. I picked up uh, my first sitar back then, and uh, yeah, and just kept doing music. I've been you, doing was, it. Was sitar it's been the like first? 25 years. Or something. <laughs> was that the first instrument you picked up, or you said bass, or was were you playing bass and no uh, piano i did i did piano for that's the only no no i was formally trained on piano it was terrible i kept telling myself like my brother started playing guitar i was like i i can be like harry connick jr (laughs) (laughs) and i was like that's not cool i didn't want to do it so then after uh, i bought a bass he played guitar so as the younger brother i'm like well i'll play bass right so did you guys jam together quite a bit have a band at all yeah, we had a band when I was in high school. Uh, brothers and bands historically doesn't work tumultuous. out. It doesn't work out. I mean, unless you're Oasis. Yeah, or I'm just Kings. kidding. <laughs> or, or the Kings. Well, they always fight each other. I was just right, joking. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, they, they, I mean, unless you're really talented together, but yeah, we didn't. Uh, it didn't work out that well, and uh, yeah, yeah, okay, that wasn't fun. <laughs> well, when so you did that for how long through high school? I mean, it was just like, I think we had like two shows and then, uh, I, uh, I joined this band in Montreal. What year was it? I was straight out of high school. 
So this was like 90, 95, 1995. I was like, geez, I'm old. Um, yeah. And I started, then that band kind of evolved and we did our first cross Canada tour in 1999. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's the thing. Like touring Canada is a pain in the ass. It's like, oh. cause like, it's like a straight line along the border with the U S and so you got, that's like 6,000 kilometers. I think it's massive, right? Coast I to mean, coast. Yeah. 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 So eight, mean, every, to, the drive between cities is like eight, 10 hours. Yeah. And there's not a whole lot of cities, right. That you could stop in. No, no. no. And it's like touring the, Australia or something. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Australia is just along the coast. It's the exact uh-huh. same thing. Yeah. But yeah. So we, I did that a lot through my twenties and I got okay. sick of it. I haven't toured Canada in a while. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so that band that you're talking about that you joined right out of high school eventually just kind of fizzled out. And and is that when you start um, Elephant Stone or similar to that or around that time? Or like, tell me the timeline wise. Well, that that band. So I joined that band in 95. It was this band called the Sea Beggars. And then the singer and I, we then left that band and started a band called the Datsuns. And we did that. And then... We were like this mod kind of trio, 60s trio thing. And then there was a band from Australia called the Datsuns with a U. Oh. I don't know if you remember that. It was like the Garage Rock Revolution. It was 2001. Like the hives are happening, the vines. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. White Stripes. Mm-hmm. And the Datsuns were becoming big. So we're like, oh, we have to change our band name. Okay. <laughs> so we became, it's all very Spinal Tap. And then we became the Datsun 4. And the, <laughs> And then there was a band from Australia called the D4. Mm. And then, then we became the High Dials. <laughs> and I did that. And I left that band in 2006 and then started Elephant Stone. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then, so when Elephant Stone starts, yeah, obviously you had years of, of experience in touring and everything under your belt. Um, yep. So talk to me about when this band starts, like getting it off the ground. So, um, with the old band, the Hideouts, I was <clears throat> by the end of it, I was like burnt out of touring and being, and I just was sick of rock and roll. I was sick of the lifestyle. Um, I just got married. Um, I just needed a fresh start. So I basically, in my mind, I was done. I was just going to focus on, um, my sitar, which I'd been playing that point for, uh, about seven years, I think. Mm-hmm. And I was taking, I was being formally trained on it. So I was getting into classical and music more. So as I'm done with the rock and roll, I'm going to become a classical sitar player. Done. And of course, like a month after that, I started just thinking about, you know, like I love Teenage Fan Club. They're like one of my favorite bands from uh, since I was 13. And anyways, I started going back to rock and roll and I wasn't really a songwriter in my old bands. I was the side man. I was the bassist, backing okay. vocalist. So and that was the reason for leaving my old band uh, as well. The fact that I felt like it was a very shallow existence. I wasn't giving anything back. I wasn't being true to myself. It's my existential crisis where like, what does this all mean? Right. You felt like you were just playing the, whatever the, the singer or guitar player was writing. I was, yeah, yeah, I felt like along. I was there to support his ego. <clears throat> right. And uh, so I, I went through this. Yeah. Cause like, you know, it's like my wife and I, we also went to India for about five weeks in the Himalayas. Like it was like, I was, I was searching for something. I was looking mm-hmm. for meaning in my life. And it was in that trip to India where I started getting ideas uh, for Elf and Stone. It was going to become originally like a sitar based instrumental garage psych band thing. But 
I started writing songs and I was like, oh, I can do this. You know, becoming singer or songwriter, it just feels very pretentious. Like, oh, I'm a songwriter. And like <laughs> what I have to say is so important. And I didn't think it was that important. But then at one point I'm like, oh, I can, I feel this. I feel this is true. Mm-hmm. And so, like you said, by that point in my career, I've already done about 11 years of touring and stuff. So mm-hmm. I built up a network and people knew who I was and, well, so the high I, dials had a bunch of records, right? I mean, you guys did a ton of albums and a ton of EPs. Yeah, yeah, I know we did well. We we toured Europe. We like I remember I met I met uh, Anton from Brian Jones Sound Massacre in two thousand three through the high dials, and we became friends then. And we met a lot of great people. And uh, but you know, bands have lifespan. I mean, right. the, I, I think they're still going on. I don't know. You know bands come and go, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you collaborated with Anton, correct? On a, yeah, on a, yeah, yeah. Okay, but, I'll, we'll, but, I want to get to that because yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. interested in that. Uh, that documentary that he's in is is uh, really interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he's a genius. I had a chance to see him a couple times in San Diego, and I'm like, yeah, he just he's on another level of of genius when it comes to music and songwriting. Yeah, he's great. He's great. Um, okay, sorry. Going back to uh, so. The, <laughs> So, oh, so yeah, this was so yeah. So I started. I recorded this album in 2009. It came out. Um, I put it out. I like it. Elephant Stone's been very DIY. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm all. I don't like waiting for things to happen. So I started my own label. I put it out. Um, was it just got, you on the recording also, or did you have a band formed around here at this time? Um, it was me and friends that played on oh. that record, um, and uh, it, it got nominated for the Polaris Music Prize in Canada. So that was wow. that was a big thing for me. I was like, oh, I was like, people actually like this, and that's huge. Yeah, no, it was great. It was like really, really cool. I didn't ex- like that was a nice thing after all these years of doing music and not feeling like it connected with people. I put on my first record and with Elephant Stone, and people connected with it, and and not being so I, the songwriter of the other bands, right? And yeah, you're you're putting yourself out there as a songwriter and obviously it's it totally validates itself with scoring this you know nomination yeah, and everything else like but then it's like with any with all art you you put something out and then you're like what's next what do i do next <laughs> and it's my whole life's like i'm like what do i do now and so i put an ep um and then i joined um this is fast forwarding to 2012 um i joined the black angels you know the band black angels from austin texas I, I've, I've been old friends with them since they started. <clears throat> so they needed a bassist. That's awesome. They needed a bassist and uh, they fired their bassist at the time. So I, I joined the band for about a year. We toured. It was great. We did like Coachella, Wallapalooza. We went to Australia. Wow. That's where I met, that's where I met Beck. <clears throat> and I played sitar with Beck for a few shows because of that connection. Mm-hmm. And so it was good. It's all life's, life's funny that way. Just these small things lead to something bigger. So Sure. Sure. Wow. Okay. So then you were in this band and then what you come back and continue doing. Work yeah. Then I, I finished, I finished, um, I, I finished up our 2013 album. And then for 2013, we toured a lot with the black, we were supporting the black angels. Okay. Yeah. And I just, you know, then ever since then, it's like life, life happens. Uh, we have my wife and I have three kids now. I keep putting out records. And, uh, <laughs> I've got this, I've, I've set up my life so it's very sustainable. I can like I control my career. I have my own label. I have my own recording studio. So it's all very self-contained. That's amazing. That yeah. is amazing. I have two kids. I can't imagine having to tour <laughs> like 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 you. You know, 
do well, it's, as been, a it's been a couple of years. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> I guess in 2019, I couldn't imagine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I've but, got a very, I've got a very supportive, understanding wife. We've been together for since we were 19. Wow. So it's like 25 years or something. So that's huge. Not a lot of people have that. That's yeah. amazing. Congratulations. I out. Yeah. Um, so you worked with Anton on the third record, right? Anton. Um, yeah. He, he remixed Three Poisons. One of the songs. Oh, okay. like, yep. Yeah, he, yeah. I, I did a remix EP ES three P remix and Anton did it. I mean, <clears throat> Anton and I've known each other for a long time, 2003. Mm-hmm. And I remember when, uh, actually, uh, when I was doing uh, the first Elephant Stone album, I had this song, I had this riff, and I was like, oh, I don't have a melody. And I ran I'm like, oh, do you want to try writing a melody over this? But then I ended up writing my own melody. And I'm like, I don't need you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, he's sweet. I mean, yeah, we go way back um, pre-Dig. You mentioned Dig. I mean, mm-hmm. I met him in 2003, like, and the we toured with him, and we were playing to, like, 10 people in Montreal, 200 people in Toronto. And then I did a South by Southwest thing with him in 2004 when the movie came out. Mm-hmm. And then ever since then, everything changed. I remember I toured him again in 2005 and then there was like 2000 people at the shows. It was, I saw the, ch- the change and everything happening. And it was interesting because people saw the movie and they would always try to get a reaction out of them. And it was just like a dog show. I'm playing like, really? Right. Yeah. Go, go ahead. Uh, Sorry. No, it's like really, it's like you pay all this money just so you could be the guy that's like, I pissed off Anton. Right. Yeah. I thought that that's funny that you say that, that they kind of grew, you know, immensely from the documentary because they don't paint him in a good light in the film. What's like really at all? Like you can mm-hmm. tell that he's a genius musician and he knows what he's doing, but like, you know, he's fighting with his band and he's, you know, kind of following him around and he, he's selling this EP outside or his, you know, I know Danny Warhol outside the shows and kind of getting in trouble and they don't pay him in all this good a light. But the fact that people connected with that and he, the band ended up growing due to it, which is yeah, well, it's, it's, a, good, it's a good movie. Like, right, right. It is. It, it's, a, it's a movie. Like, like I'm friends with uh, Pete and all the dandies and stuff. And it's just like, that whole world and they made a really she, she made a good movie and it was entertaining and people love the torture genius you know mm-hmm. and sure they, they they love that they love that because like you know they love seeing what Kanye's gonna tweet next, you oh know? right like, yeah i mean it's that's it's a good point our, it, it's the world we live in right so, mm-hmm. yeah. oh wow well um you know after what would you say like a big you know milestone moment for you and your in in the in your career was what would you say like one, one of the biggest ones would be aside maybe you know getting the nominations for, for the uh, Polarized Music, Music Prize and all any of that. But I don't know what, what would you say, like a big I think the biggest moment for me was uh, playing with Beck. I just remember because we were in uh, Black Angels, we were in Australia playing this festival. And I saw Beck play the first night and he's playing Loser. I'm like, oh, where's the sitar? I'm like, and then I, I went to the band. I said, by the, by the time we get to, I forgot what Australian city was, like Sydney or something. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm like, I'm going to be on stage with Beck next week. They're like, okay, make it happen. I'm like, I will. And I made it happen. Like I just, crazy. Spoke, I spoke to friends, my buddy Wally Kempton from Australia. And he knew the tour manager for the band that was opening for it. It was just all this web. And then I remember then 
Beck's uh, tour manager, she found me backstage catering. She's like, Rishi, I'm like, yeah, it's like, come with me. And yeah, I met Beck and we just did a little jam in his trailer. And then he's like, all right, see you on stage. And then we went on stage, we did it. Then we did it the next night. And it was just this moment, because remember, it was this moment in my career, I didn't really know what to do next. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if, like, I, I just felt like what happened to me so far was just luck. Like, you know, I've carried on this far. And then I realized it was like a self-playing prophecy in some ways. I had this, it was a switch that went off in my head. I'm like, if I tell myself I can do something, it's a better chance that it will happen. Mm-hmm. And I remember, because we played Brisbane. I remember the morning after I played Brisbane with him, I was just walking around, like, I'm in Brisbane, on the other side of the world. I just played with back Beck. <laughs> yeah, with Beck. And like, yeah, so yeah, it was good. It was just like, I've always been a, the glass is half full kind of person. Um, and being in the music business can kind of make you a bit more cynical mm-hmm. with things. And I, as long as I've been in it, but I remember that moment. It was like, that was a big, that was just like a change in how I viewed things. And it, it gave me a lot of drive. And but at the same time, that's also works against you by trying to make things happen. You kind of push yourself back a bit. And I think around uh, just before the pandemic, I kind of just, I think it was in 20, actually it was 2018. I just put the brakes on things. I need to reassess things. And then when the pandemic happened, it really is like, you can't be attached to anything. You can't, you can make plans, but expect that things don't work. And, and I think that's been really positive for me where I'm very adaptable and agile with how I do things now. Well, you put a record out in 2020. Was that, was that written and ready to go prior to the pandemic happening? Yeah, that was, yeah, that was uh, recorded my studio here. We were on tour. We were in Europe in February, 2020. And I remember being in Paris and seeing everyone wearing masks and at the airport. I'm like, this is kind of weird. And then in I get February. Home. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. I remember we kept hearing about it. We were traveling all around because the album, the album came out in February, 2020. We just, okay. we just started our tour, our European tour. And then we came back. That was that. Did you get sent back? Cause the tour got shut down or no, no, we, we managed okay. to, it was funny that tour as well. Cause I remember it was the first tour in a while where I made a conscious effort to go uh, to our merch table after our shows. Usually I, I would sit in the back room just like collapse. Yeah. But I'm like, no, I have to connect. I, have to, yeah, I was like, I know. It's like, I have to, this is my, I was like, in my mind, I'm like, this is my job. I have uh-huh. to go and connect with our friends. So I went up there, I was hugging people, <laughs> shaking hands and everything. And then you keep hearing about COVID and now I'm like, oh man, I'm not doing that. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's so bizarre. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's yeah. Uh, well, at least you guys were able to do some support for the record and then actually get home and not have, I've, I've interviewed bands where they're stuck in another country trying to like panic to get a flight back to the States thinking like, Oh, they're going to shut the borders down. What am I going to yeah. do? And uh, I mean, at least you made it, <laughs> I guess made it home before all that. No, we got lucky. Yeah. We did, and some of the guys got sick on tour. They're convinced they had COVID. But I don't know. So, but we got yeah. back and then we were getting, we were going to go to South by Southwest and that was like the first thing thing that got oh, canceled. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That got canceled. And then when the NBA canceled, man, that was when it was over. Tom Hanks <laughs> yeah. gets it and the NBA cancels. And- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Forrest Gump got it. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. We got it. But this is serious. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, okay. So you have, I'm, I'm really interested to hear about this EP you're putting out or coming out in what, 10 days from now. Um, yeah. It's concept concept record. You said, and it's all in French. 
not having wrote the lyrics for it was the storyline something that you were able to hand to the person that wrote the lyrics and say like this is the concept and the story behind the song like the the idea i have or you just were like here's the music it needs to be a con like there's a concept here no it was definitely uh i had my storyline i mean with our last record hollow in 2020 it was another i like uh, i'm a big sci-fi fan and dystopian stuff i, I love that stuff and Hollows about the end of the world. And, Is it also uh, a concept record? I didn't realize. Yeah, that, yeah, that oh. was a concept album. I actually just uh, made a, like a short animated film about that. That's coming out in a few months as well. Oh, rad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, yeah. Tell me about that real quick then. And not the film. I mean, you can talk to me about the film. That's awesome. But yeah. I know it's not out, out yet. But um, I'm curious to know about the yeah the concept behind Hollow and then this this new one. Now. So Hollow. Uh, I mean, it was, in, you know, it's, it was inspired by the climate crisis and everything, climate change and everything was just going to hell and no one's doing anything. So it was about this catastrophic, catastrophic event that happens and kind of decimates earth. And then society, someone decides that they built a rocket ship called Harmonia, which is going to carry humanity to continue on planet B on a new earth. And so they just, uh, the rich, the powerful, the celebrities, the oligarchs, they, they board the ship and the rest of us gets left behind to die. And then they, they board the ship to planet B, arriving there. And the planet's dead. So humankind, there were people there, but they also destroyed their planet. And um, so... Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I like it. Answer. That's cool. That's super great. That's clever. It's, yeah, but now I've made it into like a kid's cartoon. So it's... Uh... <laughs> oh, rad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is so, it something like, that kids are going to be able to like... Is yeah, it written yeah, yeah. so your kids can watch it and everything? Yeah, well, it's like I rescored, <clears throat> I rearranged the music behind it um, as a more orchestral arrangements. And I worked with this great animator, Lovine uh, Jusserin in Montreal. And it's like a 10-minute like short film. It's... Okay. It's very abstract. It's like a long music video, but it's got the storyline. It has the music. It's nice. I, I don't. That's that's how I've been spending the past year, uh, kind of just writing the soundtrack and mixing it. So that yeah. and the French EP and the French EP. That's that's the thing with I guess the pandemic is we had a lot more time at home, right? So mm -hmm. to do these kind of weird things, you know, and the fact that you have a studio too, that's yeah, quite helpful. Yeah, that was that, that's changed everything. I mean. Like for Hollow, I engineered it myself. That was the first time engineering an album, recording myself. Um, and then with the new EP, I recorded and mixed it as well. And that was a that was a big stepping, like a big step for me as well. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. But uh, the, uh, sorry, go on. No, go ahead. Yeah, uh, I was going to ask you about the EP. Yeah, I was going to yeah, the EP. Mm -hmm. So you, Hollow had a storyline, and then for the EP. Um, it's just like riffs I had lying around and I um, the, how I usually write songs is like I kind of just come up, I come up with the melody, I come up with the chords, the chord changes and, and I just have like gibberish lyrics over it, just sounds like phonetic sounds. And when I was working on the songs, they all sounded very French to me. I was using French sounds rather than English words. Like in French, it has, it's a very different way of singing. It just sounds completely different than English. And, and I just felt like that felt more the vibe of the song. And, and I had this storyline. So basically it's about this, her, you know, it was very much inspired by the pandemic. It was like this hermit mm -hmm. that lives on earth. Um, it was a very solitary existence. And then 
pandemic hits, then everyone starts sheltering in place. And he feels, he feels that's a, a mockery of his condition and his choices. Mm-hmm. So he decides to build a rocket ship to go to the moon and to get away from mankind. But once he's on the moon, he sees the earth and it's just something called the overview effect astronauts get when they see the earth. Mm-hmm. They realize that everyone, everything they know is there and it's fragile and beautiful. So he decides to return to the imperfect earth with all of his imperfect people. And then he dies by himself. That's, that was the story. And I gave it, I handed this to my buddy, Felix Diet. I'm like, here's the storyline. Here's the melodies, the sounds. You just got to make it sound poetic. And that's what he did. Awesome. That's awesome. Well, congratulations on the record um, with, you know, stuff happening. Are you guys are, or you have a tour, right? Kind of lined up for, for the EP or am I wrong? Yeah, we just uh, announced a May U.S. tour from like New York to Chicago and in between. That's exciting. Are you- yeah, yeah, it'll be good. Hopefully it'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for, for doing this. I, I can't wait to hear the record and I appreciate your time. This has been awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I have one more quick question though. I want to know sure. if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Um, I mean, becoming a musician is a craft and you have to hone your craft. So whether you're a guitar player or a songwriter, singer, you just have to keep at it and get used to rejection. Get used to people telling you what's the point 